0: Hey, Unnaturalists. I'm Emily. I'm Andy. And welcome back to your favorite true crime podcast, Unnatural.
1: One year, Emily. We made it. We did. Our first anniversary. How about that?
0: Happy anniversary to us.
1: (laughs) One year of me telling dad jokes. One year of you saying as she should. Mm -hmm. And... (laughs) (laughs) One year of uh, our famous catchphrases as well. Anyway, thanks to everybody for listening for the last year. And thank you for all the kind words you've said to us. And thank you for being so loyal. We really appreciate it. We love doing this. And on that note, let's get it going. In January of
0: 2015... Sarah Porter was reported deceased in the living room of her home, but what authorities and family members and friends never suspected was that the 911 call that came from her husband was not him being distraught after coming home and finding his wife lying dead on the floor, but he was actually calling to tell police that he had done it and he was leaving the country. This is the story of Sarah Porter. It 1995 in Fenville, Michigan, when Sarah Porter met a man named Harold Butch Knight. Sarah was a nurse at the time caring for Harold's mother, who was sick. Um, specifically, she was a respiratory nurse therapist, and she was described as just kind of having a natural way with others. Um... This type of nursing was more or less Her calling mm-hmm. But Harold on the other hand Not so much He kind of worked odd jobs For the most part He didn't have much Drive or passion in his life To say the least So the fact that The two of them fell in love Is kind of weird Not only did Were they Like seemingly complete opposites in personality, they also were 18 years apart in age.
1: Whoa, it's a bit of a jump.
0: Yeah, yeah. And Sarah was obviously the younger one, but you know, they still fell in love, and many of Sarah's friends were kind of like, What the fuck? and Sarah's kids. Or kind of like, um, what the fuck she had? Yeah. um, She had a daughter, Roxanne, from a previous relationship. And Mm. um, Roxanne, in an article I read, said, quote, my mom really loved Butch. So it seems like despite all their differences, she did really love him. And um, one of Sarah's friends, Kathy, said that she remembered the couple being very affectionate and they would go out on dates a lot, like they would go on picnics, they um, would travel and visit lighthouses in Maine and Michigan, and they both really enjoyed kayaking.
1: Nice. Have you ever gone kayaking?
0: Mm, Not really,
1: I've, I've done it a few times. I am not good at kayaking. I, I'm better at canoeing because you can go slower. Yeah. You know?
0: <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I guess. I've been canoeing, but I've never been kayaking. Yeah. I take that back. So despite the fact that they kind of gave off the vibe that they were in a happy relationship, some people said that Harold didn't really treat Sarah's children, her daughters, very well. Roxanne recalled being a teenager, and he was never really supportive, and he would talk down to her a lot. And um, she specifically said on some instances, it was Mm -hmm. like he was two completely different people. Like, something was definitely wrong with him. She said, quote, he had this darker, eviler side with me and my sister when my mom wasn't around. He would pick fights with us, end quote.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So doesn't sound like a loving stepfather there.
0: No, not at all. So despite that, and I wonder I couldn't find where the girls um said anything about this, but I wonder if they told Sarah how he was treating them because and maybe he threatened them like don't fucking tell your mom like who knows i couldn't i couldn't find much information about it but just from the vibe that i was getting from sarah she really didn't seem to be the type to let someone be mean to her kids you know
1: right yeah so maybe she wasn't in the know on this
0: yeah maybe um but there, you know, as a man, there were other red flags about Harold for sure. Um, his family and friends say he wasn't really reliable when it came to providing financially. And it was often put on Sarah's shoulders to support the family, pay the bills, buy the groceries, doing just kind of all of that. And Harold was just kind of... Mooching off of her basically
1: He's just there
0: Yeah but he was also really possessive And controlling
1: Not that you have the right to be possessive and controlling Anyway but especially If you're not holding up your end of the fucking bargain
0: Yeah but Despite all of this, they did end up getting married in 2001 and um by all accounts, you know, Sarah's friends and family were supportive of the marriage because it was clear to them that they or that she really did love him, you know.
1: Mhm. Yeah, it's hard to push back on that with people when you can see how invested they are in the relationship.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, It is. Yeah, it is hard because sometimes like you see things from the outside Uh that someone doesn't see when they're in the relationship and, you know, kind of convincing them of what's actually going on is difficult. Well,
1: and you know that they need to see it themselves usually.
0: Yeah. So just a handful of years into their marriage in about 2007, Their relationship had lots of ups and downs, but it seems like at this point, it really took a turn for the worst. And Sarah decided that, um, you know, desperate measures had to be taken. Like, she was kind of at her wit's end for wanting to save the marriage, make the relationship work. And she was really just trying to... Put in an effort to get Harold to want to contribute and to be, you know, more supportive around the house. And instead of just kind of being a mooch, really, like, I think that would start to frustrate and infuriate anyone.
1: Oh, God. Yeah, I'd be pissed. It's like what are you even doing here, man? Like what what are we doing this for, you know?
0: Yeah, like I understand that hard times happen, you know, you may lose a job unexpectedly or or whatever and it might take you a while to find a job again, but this guy is clearly just taking advantage of the situation because he doesn't want to work.
1: Right, he's riding that gravy train.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, it's around 2007 that Sarah makes the suggestion that um, they move to Maine. Hmm. So, so they're
1: moving from Michigan to Maine. Right. Okay.
0: And to everyone's surprise, Harold was on board. He was like, yeah, cool. Let's, Let's go. So, they packed up their home their lives they said goodbye to their friends and family and they moved to Maine um Sarah pretty quickly found work as a nurse and Harold actually got a job whoa I know he was driving box trucks for the hospital so I definitely feel like Sarah kind of Got him in with that one.
1: She's like, if we're fucking moving here and you're coming with me, you got to get off your ass.
0: Yeah, pretty much. So they're living in Maine for seven years. And as far as anyone could tell, things were going pretty good over there until one night sarah called her daughter and she said she didn't want to live in maine anymore she was packing her things and leaving and going back to michigan
1: so they must have gotten a fight or something
0: yeah i am really not sure what all happened here um Because she ended up um, moving in with her daughter, Roxanne, and Roxanne said that, you know, clearly something major had to have happened for her mom to just up and leave and move back to Michigan, but she she never talked about it with anyone as far as I could tell. Hmm. And um, also while she was living there, you know, they didn't really talk about it anytime he kind of came up in conversation. It was just pretty quickly shut down. But then Roxanne found a letter from Harold in the back of Sarah's Bible that kind of alluded to the fact that they might be trying to reconcile their... Um, relationship in their marriage now mind you they didn't get divorced or anything Mm -hmm. um so they were just separated and one line in the letter read quote i'm doing the list of things you want me to do end quote so i feel like it's safe to say that sarah pretty much gave him an ultimatum and was like look do all of this shit or peace out
1: right this is up to you now yeah
0: Yeah, he didn't do the things, so she peaced out, and now he's like, I'm doing all the things.
1: Oh, one of those guys. Yeah. Does it after the fact to show you that they can do it to bring you back, and then when you come back, then they stop doing it again.
0: Yeah, (laughs) gotta love it. Super great. Mm, So great. So eventually... They did get back together, and Harold moved back to Michigan, and they found a home together. But it was pretty quickly evident that nothing in their relationship had actually changed. Changed. Mm-hmm. Bingo. Um, shockingly, Harold wasn't doing the list of things he was told to do. He wasn't working consistently.
1: No, because he got her back.
0: Right. So why would he? Meanwhile, Sarah is working multiple shifts at the hospital. I think it's my understanding that she kind of took on like a side gig as a traveling nurse, Hmm. maybe because it was a little bit more money. So not only is she working all of these jobs at the hospital, she's also traveling all over the state and, you know, just trying to cover bills. I, 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 I think the house that they ended up buying was... Um, maybe a little bit bigger or more expensive than what they had had in the past, which is why she was kind of being forced to do all of this extra work.
1: Yeah, to cover for that extra, you know, yeah, money that's coming out of your paycheck. Yeah.
0: All right. And then on January 11th, 2015, things took a turn for the worst. Harold Knight called 911 saying, quote, I strangled her. She's dead and laying on the living room floor. End quote.
1: Oh, my God. Just to blatantly admit it like that on the phone call. Yeah,
0: Kind of gives you a little bit of weepy voiced killer vibes. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So naturally, the 911 operator is like, um, what? Who are you? You know who? What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And Harold is like, "Yeah, that's not important. I'm, I'm about to leave the country, but we need to get the cops over here ASAP to do whatever they do with dead bodies." And then he hung up.
1: What the fuck?
0: Yeah. So everybody is like, um. Uh, it's, is, uh, is this for real?
1: Actually, that is kind of important. It is kind of important who you are. Yeah.
0: You just said that someone is dead on the living room floor, my guy. Like, and
1: that you were the one that strangled them.
0: Yeah. Um, so I think, I think somewhere in there he ended up giving the address because the police made a beeline for their home and Detective Craig. Gardner with the um, county sheriff's office said quote it was brutally cold that morning when we approached there was no cars or anything in the driveway we made entry to see if we could render any aid based on that phone call end quote but what they found was I mean they did find Sarah dead on the floor but she had been dead for a full two days
1: oh my god
0: And they discovered that the phone call from Harold came from a burner phone in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So Hmm. he left her in their living room dead for two days before he decided to call it in so he could make his escape.
1: Right. Get the burner phone, get everything ready to go.
0: Yeah, and so while they're investigating this, um, the police realized that Harold had taken out a bunch of money prior to calling 911. And on January 12th, he closed um, him and Sarah's bank account. He also purchased a Glock 22 and 40 rounds of ammunition. So... So just like... The day before.
1: Is he preparing to go off the reservation here or, you know, do battle with the cops? You think? I don't know. Man, that sounds fucking crazy.
0: I don't know either. I don't know. Well, no, because I don't know. I don't think he planned to have like a standoff with the cops. I think he was just trying to get out of Dodge, but that's not like. The weirdest thing that happens, because about two weeks after Sarah was murdered, the investigators, you know, obviously, they they put out, like, bolos and whatever other police things they do when there's a wanted fugitive. And several sightings had been reported in the state of Maine, and around that time, Harold's mom received a delivery and it was a package from her son, but she didn't open it. She immediately called the police and was like, Hey, I know. And I commend her for this because there are some parents that, you know,
1: stand by their kids no matter what.
0: Yes. So she turned it over to the police and was like, um, my son sent me this. It's postmarked from Maine. Go do something with it. Take it away from me. It wasn't until like a year later that uh, the investigators finally publicly revealed what the contents of the package was.
1: Oh, my God. What was it?
0: There was letters inside that were basically taunting the family. One of them said that Harold was going to get away with murder because he watches a lot of crime shows. And in another one, he allegedly revealed his motive for killing her. And um, he said, quote, to do what I had to do to keep drug sales incoming. So I'm so not...
1: He was a drug dealer? Or? I,
0: I guess. Allegedly.
1: Huh.
0: Um, I mean, he claimed that he was dealing drugs and Sarah had become a liability, but the police said that they really didn't have any solid evidence to suggest that he was dealing drugs. Hmm. And he <laughs> This is what just kills me. So he's like taunting the family, being like, I'm going to kill Sarah and I'm going to get away with it. But then he also put $2,000 in the package to cover the cost of cremating Sarah.
1: That that seems almost like against his beliefs, like who he is as a person. That's surprising.
0: Yeah, well, so like included in there, he was like, "Well, I know she wanted to be cremated, so here's the money for that because it's what she wants." Like, what the fuck?
1: Yeah, what what she wants is to not fucking be dead by your hand, dude.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So anyway, uh fast forward to January 31st, 2015. Police in Farmington, Maine, discovered Harold's car, which was a 2011 green Subaru Forester that had been abandoned in a Walmart parking lot. Mm. So they got the surveillance footage from that Walmart and um, they did find him on the footage, um, but he had changed his appearance a little bit. He and um, I'll put pictures of this on the Instagram, but kind of before he had like really light graying hair and he had dyed his mustache and hair black and he was wearing a camouflage snowsuit. Wow. And
1: I guess that's par for the course in Maine.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's January in Maine. It's it's going to be cold. But um, they think that he had hitchhiked and went to Wrangley, Maine, and he was trying to cross over into um, Canada. Canada?
1: Yeah. Oh, I was I was wondering if this was going to go there.
0: Yeah. So there was sightings and I don't know if they were confirmed or not, but there was a couple more sightings in early February when authorities were sent to a little motel in a tiny town in Maine because the owner of the motel recognized him from a photo or like the news or something and he said that he had checked in under a different name um, four days after Sarah was killed. So they think that he was supposed to be staying in that motel from January 15th to the 19th. And um, then in May of 2015, Sarah's family believed that he used her Facebook account to like a family photo. So, I mean... I've, I thought this
1: guy said he watched a bunch of true crime stuff. Like, yeah, what like, an idiot.
0: That's that's not the way to do it.
1: <sighs> no. You don't send packages to relatives uh, from the state that you're in, and you certainly don't log into the Facebook accounts of the person you murdered. Yeah. To like photos.
0: So do you want to hear the kicker?
1: There's another kicker? Okay, I'm ready.
0: Harold Butch Knight has never been found.
1: You're shitting me. No. So, he got into Canada, probably.
0: Yeah. I assume he either got into Canada or maybe he went out into the wilderness and used that gun to kill himself.
1: Could have done that.
0: I don't know. Um, But he would be like 70 years old at this point in time. Um, And
1: there's... There's a lot of wilderness in Maine. Yeah. So e- even if they know the general vicinity that he might have been in, the chances of them finding him are slim to none, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. So that's the story of the horrible murder of 48-year-old Sarah Porter.
1: That's like a, a Maine version of what happened down in Florida last year with the guy that went missing and maybe then he killed himself in the... Wasn't it in the Everglades or something?
0: You uh, talking Gabby you Brian Laundrie?
1: Yeah, yeah, Brian Laundrie. Yeah.
0: Pussy-ass bitch.
1: I know, I hate right? that guy. Was this guy an avid outdoorsman? Like, did he know the outdoors? Do we know?
0: Not that I could tell. It didn't seem like it. I didn't see... Okay, it. so he's not like a
1: survivalist or anything.
0: Yeah, right. I... And I don't know what it takes to flee a country and change your identity, but I would assume that, I mean, and he wasn't working, so maybe he did have time to research how to survive in the wild or how to do all of this in order to get away with it. Like, who knows? Well, they sh-
1: they should be checking the fucking computer records then, you would think.
0: Yeah, well, and I didn't see any mention and of... Um, you know, them trying to trace the IP address of and I don't know how I don't know how all that works. Um, and obviously, I don't know that they could prove that it was Harold that got onto her Facebook account and liked this picture. I don't know.
1: I'm sure they could ping it from a tower or something in Maine or wherever it was that he whoever logged in, you know.
0: Yeah, who knows? I don't know. I don't know. Do you have any
1: um? Do you have any dead relatives that are on Facebook or people you know that are their their Facebook account is still there? Mm -hmm. Have you ever had them like, like I have a relative that quite frequently she's been gone for years now, and it'll show that she's logged into Facebook.
0: Oh, weird.
1: Yeah, liking photos and stuff like that—it's creepy. I well, think, but it's, I know
0: if you have like the legacy things set up, that this like, isn't
1: you- even. Yeah, it's not even the legacy thing. Oh, weird. Yeah, I think it's like her daughter or something that logs in there, and.
0: Well, yeah, it might be just maybe like. Kind of creepy. Yeah. On that note. Come hang out with us on our social media pages. You can do that on Twitter at Unnatural The Pod instagram unnatural the podcast we have a facebook page unnatural a true crime podcast you can send us a gmail unnatural the podcast at gmail.com we also have a patreon page where you can get early access to ad free episodes bonus content and more that is patreon.com slash unnatural the pod and as always be sure to rate subscribe follow and share us with your friends
1: I've shared us with our with my friends.
0: I have shared us with my friends too, and they always take our advice when we say make good choices.
1: and one year later, don't get got.
0: Talk to you next week.
1: See ya. What's your favorite catchphrase we've we've created? I know mine.
0: I don't know. Up, up. <laughs> That's a good one.
1: Also, uh, so I looked this up just now. What to do for your first anniversary podcast? Okay. They said make sure to plan ahead. Whoops. <laughs> we didn't. Do-
0: <laughs> when have we ever planned ahead?
1: We didn't do that. Um, Talk about some of your best ideas. I think our best idea so far was to put our outtakes at the end of each episode, which if people don't listen to the very end of the episode, they're fucking missing out here.
0: Yes, I concur. If anything, sometimes the outtakes are better than the whole episode, so
1: Although this part is playing during the outtakes right now, so nobody who so people who don't listen to the outtakes <laughs> won't hear it anyway. <laughs> um, it also said Bring on a special guest So I thought we could bring on Cowboy Andy
0: No Hey
1: Emily and Andy Congrats on your one year anniversary
0: You got some chewing tobacco
1: You got any of that chewing tobacco Uh, What about best song What's the best song We sing all the time Almost every episode I know what my candidate is
0: My loneliness.
1: Britney, yeah, Britney would be number one Although I think the argument could be made When we sing um, I hear the train (laughs) a-coming
0: It's coming
1: round about I
0: ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when Jesus Christ, I can't read Cat